You're listening to Center Church Podcast. At Center Church, we strive to keep Jesus at the center of everything we do. You're about to hear a message from our pastor, Matthew Edwards. But before you do, we want to invite you to visit our website at centercharlotte.org. There you can sign up for our weekly emails and receive new content as we release it. Secondly, we want to invite you to visit our pastor's blog at matthewedwards.cc. And finally, if this podcast ministered to you in any way, go ahead and subscribe and you'll be the first to know when we release more content in the future. Thanks for listening in and be blessed. I think you're going to be blessed this morning. So are you ready for the word? All right, one more time. Father, again, I just thank you that you're here. And Lord, I thank you that no one came to see me this morning, that we've all come to receive from you. So, Father, I thank you that you will not disappoint, that you will, uh, everyone will walk out of here ex- with exactly what you would have for them. And I thank you, Father, for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. If you have your Bible, you can open up to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And just to kind of give you some uh, uh, sense of where we're going this morning. Um, well, I'll go ahead and tell you this while you're turning there. Colossians chapter 1. Uh, so last night I was just getting ready for this morning and a lot of times what I'll do whenever I'm just getting ready for a Sunday morning, I'll have something playing. I'll have someone playing. Uh, I love Joseph Prince. I love Hillsong. I love Bethel worship. I'll normally just have something playing. Usually I like to have music that doesn't have any lyrics. Um, but occasionally I'll mix it up. Well, last night I had some music playing, some worship music playing. And as soon as the playlist ended, it went to a sermon we did earlier this year called the battle is the Lord's and in parentheses, spiritual warfare. And so I kind of was, wasn't paying attention to it, but as it kind of went on, the guy who was preaching, I was like, man, this is really good. This guy is something else. No, um, it was me. <laughs> I'm just joking. But no, I was listening to it and it just started ministering to me all over again. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. And in my mind, I just remember thinking, I don't remember saying any of that. And like, man, it was just, and it ministered to me, um, in a way that I couldn't even say this morning. And so I just want to encourage you, if you are going through something, go back and listen. Because last night I was like, I want to put this on 15 CDs and pass this out to 15 people I know. And because it just blessed me. And last night I really got free from a lot of things. And I just I praise the Lord for it. So I had a good time last night with the Lord. Uh, but then he brought me here. So we're in Colossians chapter one. <laughs> we're going to pick up at verse nine. Now, I'm not going to uh, we're not going to stop all the way through here. Everything Paul says, every verse is full of something. Paul is just one of those people that he's full of grace. Uh, but we're not going to go through every single verse. I'm coming to something in verse 13 and 14. But I don't want to pick up in the middle of a thought. This is a very long run on sentence. So Paul says in verse 9, he says, For this reason we also, since today we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, so you know what's going on. He says, from the time that we heard that you were saved, from the time we heard you received Christ, we didn't stop praying from that moment even until now. And most of us, we pray for people to get saved. And when they get saved, we stop praying. Paul's the opposite. He says, the moment we heard you received Christ, that's when we started praying. And we didn't stop. Then in verse 10, he says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Look at verse 12 one more time. Giving thanks to the Father. Giving thanks to who? Who has qualified who? Us. That's you. That's me. Giving thanks to the Father who qualified us. Not giving thanks to ourselves who are qualifying ourselves. It's the Father who qualified us. So when you are unqualified, it doesn't matter. Because God qualified you. 
And the inheritance is everything Jesus died to give us. So you know why you're qualified for wholeness? Because it's your inheritance. And God has qualified you. Then in verse 13, this is what I want to come to. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Notice we're not getting it one day. Uh, we are not getting it little at a time. He says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, we have redemption. What is it? The forgiveness of sins. Now look at 13 one more time, and this is why I put it in gold. This is what I wanted to uh, pull out before we move on. In verse 13, he says this. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. When I was a kid, we used to hear a lot of teaching about, you know, um, let me say this, open door teaching. Has anyone other than me heard open door teaching? Open door, let me explain. When you do this, it's an open door. You're opening a door. Has anyone else ever heard that before? Only a few of us. Well, the rest of you who are so sanctified, you never heard that before. Let me tell you, there's a teaching called open door teaching. When you do bad things, you're opening the door for the devil to come into your life and wreak havoc, right? Open door. We'll call it open door theology. Let me say this. Read the New Testament. You won't find it. It doesn't exist. What you will find is you have been delivered from the power of darkness. Not will be, but you have been delivered from the power of darkness, and you have been conveyed into the kingdom. <laughs> Not a house. A house can stand by itself. A city can stand by itself. But you are in a kingdom. And the kingdom is called the, the kingdom of the son of his love. Meaning, the way you receive everything is the same way Jesus received it, because it's called the kingdom of the son of his love. How much does God love you? How much does God love Jesus? How did Jesus receive from God? That's the same way you receive from God. You are in the kingdom of the son of his love. And notice, again, you don't see open door theology in the New Testament. Somebody made that up to explain why everyone was going through hard times. So that they can make you feel bad about something. But you won't find it. Not in the New Testament. You won't find it. What you will find is you are no longer in the power of darkness. You are in the kingdom of the son of his love. Now, knowing that you are in the kingdom of the son of his love, let me say this. The kingdom of the world works differently. Now, I'm, I'm, I want to start where we're all somewhat familiar, where most of us are on the same page, and then we'll take off from there. Now, I'm saying this again just to make sure we're all on the same page. When you are in the kingdom of the world, the world says if you don't work hard, you don't move up, right? The world says if you're not qualified for it, you don't get it. But most of us would agree, even apart from Christianity, most of us would agree, many times if you're looking for a job, it's not what you know, it's who you know, right? The world is slowly changing into that direction. It's not so much what you know, it's who you know. And to fix that little problem that the world sees, they're saying now put your resume, put everything online, and put it through this agency, and if you have the right qualifications, it'll flag you, you're good. So the who you know is slowly trying to be pulled out of it. But all the while, the world sees that, hey, Christians have it good, as long as they know God, God moves them where they need to be. The world is slowly trying to move into what God has been doing for us for centuries. All right. So it's not so much what we know as much as it is who we know. Are you with me? And because we are in the kingdom of the son of his love, it's who we know. Now, knowing that, let me say this. Everything that the world does, God does opposite. For example, the world says what you eat is the reason why you're suffering. Jesus, like we saw last week, said this. It's not what you put in your mouth that defiles you. It's what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. Everything is opposite. Hillsong wrote a song years, uh, about two or three years ago called Touch the Sky. Some of you may have heard it. 
We play it sometimes after church service. The whole point of the song was this. In order for me to go up to touch the sky, I have to have my knees touch the ground first. In order for us to go up, we have to go down. Right? Jesus said, you want to be the greatest? Be the greatest servant. In order to go up, you have to first go down. So God literally says, let me flip everything on his head. The way to win in Christ is to not fight. You think, oh, if I don't pick up my sword and fight, who's going to fight for me? If no one fights for me, how will I win? And I can tell you at least four testimonies from this week of how I purposely chose not to fight. And God made me a winner every time. (laughs) I mean it. The world says, don't do something, nothing will happen. God's kingdom, don't do anything. And I'll make sure everything happens for you. Are you with me? So we are not in the kingdom of the world or the power of darkness. We are in the kingdom of the son of his love. And isn't it awesome? He could have just said you're in the kingdom of God, but he chose to put the son of his love on purpose. Why? Because he wants you to know this is this kingdom of the son that I love. You are in that kingdom. Everything I'm doing for you comes from my heart. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Now, knowing that, that means this. Everything we do is opposite of the world. If you want to produce fruit in the world, you have to work at it. You have to work at it. But with God, he says, don't work at it. Everything is opposite. Now, let me show you this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, look what, Paul, what, the, oh, sorry. Look what the apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14. He says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to who? God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now, before we move on, I want to show you this real quick. <laughs> Again, everything in the world is opposite to everything in the kingdom of the son of his love. In the world, when you're having a problem with your spouse, you try to work it out. You try to work it out, but you have to go talk to your spouse. Right. You go talk, you talk and you try to figure it out. For those of you who are not married, don't worry. <laughs> You're getting a jump start. All right. You have to talk. You have to talk. In fact, just the other day, she's not in here. Just the other day, we were in a car and she didn't see my wisdom again. And so because <laughs> she didn't see my wisdom, we had a disagreement. And finally, I just got upset and I said, you know what? And she, so she told me she, she's not in here. I'll, I'll cut this out. She said, shut up. And I, <laughs> and I got quiet and I thought. Why am I shutting up? She should shut up. You shouldn't tell me to be quiet. I'll use that because we're in church. So I said, you know what? Hold on. Why don't you want to talk about it? And I have a thing I say at work all the time. I tell people, if we don't talk about it, we can't resolve it. And it changes everyone's lives. If you don't talk, we can't resolve it. So I had this thought, you know, you tell people at work, this is true. If we don't talk, we can't resolve this. So I said, you know, I don't understand why you don't want to talk about it. So she said something. I said something else. And before I knew it, I made it worse. And I was like, I probably should have just shut up. But... (laughs) I won't give her credit for that one. And I had this moment where, again, I knew what I was going to share this morning, and I, I just had a time to get ready. And the Lord brought me back to this in verse 2. He says, he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but he speaks to God. And the Lord says, son, <laughs> sometimes you don't need to talk to people. Sometimes you just need to talk to me. Amen. You want to change my creation, but talk to the creator. You can't change that person. Only the one who created them can. All your talking, all your nagging, all your insisting, it won't change them. If anything, they might move. <laughs> anything, they might move for you so you'll stop talking. But it won't change who they are on the inside. Amen. You'll be right back at this mountain again. We should just talk about this all day. <laughs> so, so, but, I, but again, the Lord said, son, and he brought me back to this. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, he speaks to God. And all the while the Lord says, son... Sometimes you don't need to talk to them. Sometimes you need to talk to me. Now, in Genesis, that was Adam's problem. Adam knew when to talk, but then he didn't know when he was supposed to talk later on. When he should have been talking, he wasn't talking. Now, how do we know when to talk? 
That's the struggle of every man. When do I talk? <laughs> Is it time for me to talk yet? But anyways, he says, he who speaks, I'm sorry, I keep going back to the verse so I stay on track. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, he speaks to God. And the Lord said, son, you're trying to change my creation, but let me change it. Just talk to me. Talk to me. Now, that's just about marriage, but what about everything else in life? Talk to me. God gave us a way to talk to him. You don't like what you see? You can talk to him. And last two weeks, we talked about declaring your wholeness, right? We talked about what you declare out in your mouth. Say the right things. Don't just not say the wrong things. Say the right things. And sometimes don't even ask God for it. Sometimes just declare it and impress God that you know what his will is. So impress God by declaring life over yourself, declaring life over your job, life over your finances, life everywhere you see. Declare God's grace over your life. Impress God. But now, and again, I'm not trying to just have a whole month about words, but the more I was meditating, the Lord brought me to this. Hey, look, you need to get back to praying in the spirit because you're doing too much talking to other people and you just need to talk to me. That's it. You just need to talk to me. Talk to me. I can take care of the rest. If you don't talk to me, I can't do anything. When you talk to me, you give it to me. So talk to me. Now, the best part is this. Don't do it in front of that other person. <laughs> don't. Don't do it in front of that other person, lest they hear this sermon and they know how <laughs> you're doing it. No, don't do it in front of the other person because that won't help. Amen. Now, I'm, I'm talking about marriage for right now, but I mean, let's just be honest. When it comes to anything else in life, look, it's not to them. It's to God. Let me say this. It's not even to the devil. It's to God. Somewhere years before when I was a kid, somewhere someone said, when you pray in the spirit, all those spiritual demonic forces, they're getting. Let me say this. You're not talking to them. They have no clue what you're saying. You are speaking what the Bible calls mysteries. So they don't know. You don't know. The only one who needs to know is God and the Holy Spirit who is in you. And everyone said. So we talk to him. When you talk to him, he knows exactly what needs to be done. In fact, in Romans chapter eight. Oh, Let's just fast forward. Look at this. In Romans chapter 8, I'll come back to this. In Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul says this, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. I love the new living because it's not plural. It's one. Weakness. Once Before Christ, you have a lot of weaknesses. <laughs> After Christ, you only have one. All right? The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, for example, in this new living. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Now, how many of you know when it comes to uh, that, that when it comes to that problem at work, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. For me, for a long time at my job, the manager who I was uh, who, who hired me, who I was working under for a while, and some of you know the story. I've been kind of telling you all the testimony as it happens. Um, but for the manager who, who I had at my job for the first three months, every time something bad would happen, I just liked this guy. I felt like God had kind of put us together and he was the one God used to open the door. So I knew that for some reason, I just I really liked this guy and I wanted him to be OK. And I knew he had a wife. He had a baby on the way. Uh, and I just said, look, I don't want this guy to lose his job. I like this guy. And there's something about when you like someone that God says, I like them because you like them. <laughs> if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have anything to do with them. But I like you. So I like them because you like them. <laughs> so I said, all right, you know, I'm going to pray for this guy. And I would pray in the spirit. Now, on the surface, it looked like. The big guys are coming down on him. But later on, I found out it wasn't that the people above him were coming down. It was the people beside him that were trying to sabotage him. Now, again, I didn't know what to pray for. All I knew was I like this guy. I want God's favor to work for him. So I pray in the spirit. Now, again, I'm, I'm saying me. I don't have it all together, I promise. But we pray in the spirit. And when you pray in the spirit, the Lord says, Matthew, you can see up here. But what you can't see is down here. 
So what I'm going to do is while you pray, I'm going to fix that prayer that you don't know how to pray. And I'm going to help you. Are you ready? As you pray, not when you stop praying. It's not when you don't pray, he prays. It's as you pray. In fact, I didn't want to go all into the Greek, but the word helps. The word helps. And the Greek is the word soon, anti, lambano. Soon means together. Anti means against. Together against. Lambano, we take hold of it. What does he do? As long as you are praying in the spirit, he prays with you. The moment you stop praying in the spirit, he stops praying for you. Make sense? So all the while I said, I, I don't know what to pray for. So I'm going to pray in the spirit. As I pray in the spirit, all of a sudden his boss's boss's boss shows up. And I made the joke when he stepped into the store, all of the auto plus pet boy stores knew it. <laughs> we had managers we never even knew existed showed up. Everyone in suits and ties, the big guys here. He walks in, he shakes his hand, he walks out, he says, I like this kid. He's the guy for the job. He leaves. They thought he was going to be fired on that day. The day he was supposed to be fired, everyone's boss. I mean, the assistant to the CEO of the company steps foot in Autoplus and says, this guy is the job, guy for the job, and walks out. Now, who could have done that? And you know he was smiling. Yeah, I told him, and I was like, bro, I've been praying for you. It's, this ain't true. You're not, you're not that good, I promise. You're not that good, you know? But my point is this. We don't know what to pray for as we ought. So when we pray in the spirit, what happens? God knows what the root cause of the problem is. He knows how to fix it faster than we do. Now, again, I've said this before. When you come to me, Matthew, pray for me. Um, I'm having a problem with this. I can pray what you told me to pray about. But the better prayer, let me say this. The greatest prayer warrior the universe has ever seen is living inside of you. I can pray for you. And God answers my prayers. And everyone said God answers my prayers because he loves my prayers. <laughs> but you have the greatest prayer warrior inside of you waiting to pray for you. He's waiting for you to wake up in the morning so he can start praying for you. And then when you don't pray in tongues, he says, well, I'll just wait till lunchtime. And then when you don't pray at lunch, he says, I'll just wait till we go home because I can't wait to pray for you. There's so much good that God wants to do for you. And I know what God wants because the Father and the Spirit know what the mind of each, know each other's minds. And he knows that God loves you so much. He has so many gifts hidden for you every single day, all along your way to work. There's a gift here. There's a gift here. God has all these things for you. You don't have to just have a regular day at work. You can have a great day at work. God can do all kinds of things for you. But he wants you to let him pray through you. If you don't let him pray through you, he can't help you. And everyone said, so what do we need to do more? Pray in the spirit. And everyone said, Amen. so again, we don't know what to pray for. I'm sorry. We don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us. And I don't like that word for us. Again, it's the word with us. The Holy Spirit prays with us, with groanings, which cannot be expressed in words. And the father who knows all hearts knows what the spirit is saying for the spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will, in harmony with God's own will. Let me say this as a married man. What is God's will for me? The Holy Spirit knows better than I do. I can say, well, this is God's will for me and my wife. This is God's will for me and my house. But you know what? The Holy Spirit knows better than I do. Pray in the Spirit. You see how easy this is? <laughs> do you see how easy it is? You don't have to have five different truths. You just need one. You don't have to do 15 different things. You just need the one. When you pray in the Spirit, he knows what God's will is, and he does what needs to be done. And everyone said now watch this. Now we, we love this verse, verse 28. But I want you to see the context, verse 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. 
Now, most people just pull 28 out and they say all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. But they never put 26 and 27 with it. Let's keep it in context. How does everything work together for your good? When you are praying in the spirit, the Holy Spirit prays according to God's will, then everything works together for you. If things are working against you, you just need to pray in the spirit more. And he will cause everything that's working against you to work together for you. But notice, you can't just take this verse by itself. It comes immediately after talking about praying in the spirit. You want everything to work together? Pray in the spirit. If you don't pray in the spirit, it's no wonder things are falling apart. Don't feel judged. I'm sorry. That came off very judgmental. (laughs) I love you. And I want the best for you. But you know what? The more we pray in the spirit, the more he causes everything to work together. And everyone said, now look at this. Let me back up. Look at this. In 1 Corinthians 14, one more time. He says, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Verse three, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Talking about in the church. He who speaks in the tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. Now you see the word edifies. Can you say edify? Edify. We've, we've done this before, but I want to show you again. The word edify in the Greek is the word oiko domio. Oiko means build, rebuild, or repair. Domio literally is the word dome in the Greek. Dome meaning like a, a house or a building. Put the two together, you have to build, rebuild, repair the house. Now, years ago, one of the first sermons I ever heard of in grace, thank you, Pastor Samuel, one of the first sermons I ever heard in grace was about uh, uh, the Holy Communion. And in that service, he's, I'm sorry, not Holy Communion, it was about tongues, right after we heard about communion. Communion was first, tongues was second. Thank you for that. And in that sermon, this is 10 plus years ago, in that sermon, he literally says this, edifies, oikodomio, repair, build, rebuild, repair the house. And he talks about who is the house of God. We are the house of God. So when you pray in the spirit, you're building your own house. You're building your physical body. And in that sermon, he said something I never heard before up until that point. For years, we thought when we pray in the spirit, we're, we're, uh, our, we're, we're um, edifying our spirit man. But that's not what the Bible says. He says he edifies himself, right? So when you pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit can heal you from the inside out. It's nothing for him to just touch that part of your body and you're healed. It's nothing. But again, when we pray in the spirit, the Holy Spirit knows exactly what's going on. He lives with us. And for some of us, he's stuck with us. So he says, I don't want to be in a house that the roof is leaking. I don't want to be in a house where there's holes in the floor, holes in the walls. If you let me pray in the spirit, I'll build the house again. I'll rebuild the house. I will repair it. Let me do it. Right? When your house has a leaking roof, you call someone. You pay money, they come. The Holy Spirit says, I'm here. You don't have to pay anyone. If you'll pray in the spirit, I can do it for you. Now, again, for years, never heard this as a kid. Never heard this. This is one of the first sermons I heard when I started hearing grace. And he says something so powerful. That preacher, he said this. Most of us have not experienced it because we haven't been releasing our faith to see it. Are you with me? Because we never knew it. We were never releasing our faith to say, hey, I'm going to pray in the spirit because I don't feel right. Something's wrong. I'm going to pray in the spirit. Because my body hurts. I'm going to pray in the spirit. Now, as I was preparing for this Sunday, the Lord said this. Oikodomyo means to build, repair. I'm sorry, build, rebuild, repair the house. He said, son, don't just use your faith for your physical body. Use it for your house. Are you with me? So let's take it one step further. Your house. Now, I know, let me say this. I no longer live in my parents' house. But when my mom and dad talk, you know who is part of their house? I am. They tell me all the time, no matter how old you are, you will always be our son. 
right? Your children grow up, they, they move out, they do that, but they'll always be part of your house. So listen, when you pray in the spirit, you are building your house, repairing your house. You are, what else? Rebuilding the house. So it seems like things are breaking down in your house. Guess what? When you pray in the spirit, he's rebuilding your house. No matter how bad your house is getting, let me say this. Pray in the spirit, he'll rebuild it. And everyone said, what else is part of your house? Are your finances part of your house? Then pray in the spirit. He'll rebuild, he'll build, he'll rebuild, he'll repair the house. What else is part of your house? And again, for me, you know, I, I shared a little bit of what's going on in my life last week. I won't go into all that. But everything that's going on in my house, the Lord said, son, you have some uh, leaking roofs. <laughs> you have some holes in the walls. Let me rebuild your house. Let me rebuild it. You've only been using faith for your personal self. But what about your wife? What about your son? Use your faith for your house. Use your faith for your house. Now, every time you talk about, let me say this. When every time I think about the Lord building something, rebuilding, we start off by talking about you're no longer in the kingdom of the world, right? You're in the kingdom of God. And one of the things, I'm glad uh, uh, Pastor Earl Dean, can I, can I, is, it, is it pastor or is it reverend? Which one is it? Bishop. I'm sorry, bishop. Bishop. I gave him the option. Last week, a couple weeks ago, he was reverend. This morning, he was pastor. And then I thought, I should let him pick whichever, whichever he wants. But we call those things that we see by faith, right? Right? <laughs> we call what we see by faith. So anyways... Uh, he didn't know this, but this morning he made a comment to me. He said, you know, such and such happened. He said, but I just didn't have patience in that moment. And I thought, oh man, I don't want to tell him, but I want to tell him, but I want to tell him because you know what patience is? Do you know, does anyone know where patience is mentioned in a list of other things? No. Where is it? It's in Gal. starts with G, ends with Asians, Galatians, Galatians. It's in Galatians and it hits the list of the fruit of the spirit. Now, when it comes to fruit, let me say this. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. And if we're not careful, even that has become a way to condemn God's people. Well, if you don't have fruit, how can you say? I don't see fruit on that person. How can you say? Let me say this. God did not call us to be fruit inspectors. We are not fruit inspectors. All right. Let me say this. The world will know you by your fruit. But as far as me, you're a child of God. I see gold. I don't see wood. I see gold. You are wood, but you are overlaid with his righteousness. I'm not a fruit inspector. All right. Now, knowing that, let me say this. It's to your benefit to produce fruit. But when you want your plant to produce fruit, do you go and rub the branches all day? Do you go pour water on the branches? Do you only make sure that the branches get sunlight where the fruit comes from? No. What do you do? You make sure that the roots get life. You make sure that the roots have water. You make sure that the sun is on the entire tree itself. You don't focus on the fruit. You focus on the root. You focus on the plant itself. And the Lord says, son, again, I want you to produce fruit. Now, I'm going to show you in just a moment in John. Oh, man, where are we? Oh, I see now what I did wrong. Oh, I should have structured it differently. Is it here? Oh, I don't want to show you. Okay. Now, again, it's to your benefit that all of us produce fruit. Now, let me say this. When it comes to fruitfulness in God's word, let me say this. When it comes to fruitfulness, and what is fruitfulness? Let's just define. What is fruitfulness? Fruitfulness is anything that came from the cross. The reason why I say that is this. Jesus said, as long as a seed stands by itself, it will never produce anything else. It will always stand alone. But if a seed dies and is put into the ground, then it will bear fruit to more that are just like it. Are you with me? So as long as Jesus was the only son of God by himself, he was alone. But he wanted brothers and sisters. 
He wanted a bride. So what did he do? He died. He was buried. And then all of a sudden, out of that come you and me. The bride of Christ, his brothers and sisters. And everyone said, amen. So what came out of his death? Wholeness, peace, prosperity, favor, everything. All of those things are fruits. Now, I know we have the fruit of the spirit. That's another message for another time. But let me say this. As far as what we need today, it is to your benefit that you bear fruit. Now, I'm going to show you why I can say that through the words of Jesus himself. So don't Matthew's just saying whatever he wants to. I'll show you in just a moment. But before we come there, let me say this. Every time God talks about fruit, there's one fruit in particular that he always references. All right. You already saw the picture. Thank you, Mr. Mangum. A pomegranate. Now, a pomegranate has exactly about 613 seeds on average. Did you know that God gave in the entire Torah, Ten Commandments included, there are 613 laws in the whole Torah? The fruit that God references more than any other fruit is the pomegranate. Interesting. Now, I'm going to show you why in just a moment. When you look at the pomegranate, and I was going to show you when we went to Israel, we went to the Mount of Transfiguration. Um, there's a lot of young people, they, they like to hike up the mountain. And you think, oh, man, that looks like fun. And then you're halfway up the mountain 20 minutes later, and you're like, this, I don't know how they're doing this. <laughs> and you're getting these windy curves up. But, it's a, but you know, it's a, it's a moment that you have to experience when you go. So anyways, at the bottom of the Mount Transfiguration, before you go up, there's a little shop, like a little market, where the vans will take people who want to ride the vans up. That's my team. Um, <laughs> we ride up. And in that market, they have pomegranates. And the way they do it, they have a whole baskets of just pomegranates. Now, it's not just, there's other fruit. But when I saw the pomegranates, I knew this about pomegranates. I took a picture of it. What I didn't take a picture of, I was going to show you, but I didn't have it. So I just found this on the Internet. But they have uh, pomegranates cut in half, and they're wrapped in ceramic. So you can see this is what the pomegranates look like that are behind it. Now, when I saw the pomegranate, I never saw this until I was actually in Israel. I noticed when you eat an apple, the seeds are somewhere in the middle, right? When you eat a peach, the seed is in the middle. The bulk of the fruit is not the seed. But when you eat a pomegranate, what you're eating are the seeds. Are you with me? You're eating the seeds. Now, think about this. You can count how many seeds are in a pomegranate. But can you count how many trees will come from one pomegranate filled with 613 seeds? Are you with me? God wants you to be fruitful. And the picture he always paints is a picture of a pomegranate. Now, let me let me let me keep going. This I'm going to show you how all this ties together. In Exodus 28, God is talking about the high priest. Okay? Now look at this. In Exodus 28, God says this. Make pomegranates out of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and attach them to the hem of the rope with gold bells between them. And the gold bells and pomegranates are to alternate all around the hem. Aaron will will wear this robe whenever he ministers before the Lord. And the bells will tinkle as he goes in and out of the Lord's presence in the holy place. If he wears it, he will not die. Now, again, you saw the picture at the bottom of the high priest's garment down here. You have the bells and pomegranates. And God says, I want there to be a bell, pomegranate, bell, pomegranate, bell, pomegranate, all the way around the hem of the high priest's garment. And don't forget the high priest. Yes, Aaron was the high priest at the time, but he's a picture of Jesus. But let's look at the Old Testament for one moment. Whenever the high priest walks, the bells are always making noise. Always making noise. You know the high priest is coming around the corner before you see him because you can hear him. <laughs> Are you with me? Bells constantly making noise. Now, when you look at a bell, I'm talking about a simple bell, little circle bell that, you know, like the Christmas bells. When you look at a bell, a bell is very simple. It's just a piece of metal with a ball on the inside. But does anyone know what that ball on the inside is called? Does anyone know? 
It's called the tongue. Literally, it's called the tongue. This is not some Bible term. This is what, to this day, they call the, the ball on the inside that makes the noise, they call it the tongue. Now, when I found that out, you know what happened in the book of Acts. Watch this. In Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided what? Tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other what? (laughs) As the Spirit gave them the utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Skip down to verse 11. Cretans and Arabs, they said this, we heard them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. Now let me explain. <laughs> let me explain. The very first Pentecost, God came down on Mount Sinai. The first Pentecost ever consecrated. God came down on Mount Sinai and God spoke the awful works of man. The awful works of the flesh. You shall not, you shall not, you shall not, you shall not. Fast forward 1500 years later, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes down like fire, rests on them. They open their mouth and all of a sudden we hear them declaring the wonderful works of God. When God looked at the high priest, he was looking ahead. He was looking ahead. And he said, one day when my son comes, everything on the outside is a picture of everything that's on the inside. He said, one day when my son comes, the bells, before you see Jesus, you will hear the wonderful works of God. You want to see your high priest show up and silence every assault. You want to see your high priest show up and say, this is finished. You want to see your high priest show up and move on your behalf. What will you hear before he shows up? The wonderful works of God. Are you with me? When you pray in the spirit, it's like ringing the bell. The wonderful works of God. No matter how bad it gets, when you start praying in the spirit, it's like introducing your high priest into the midst of the problem. (laughs) Are you with me? Isn't that awesome? You want some more? All right, let's keep going. What time is it? Ooh, let's keep going. Joshua has to leave at one. He notified me. Anyways. Bells and pomegranates. So the bell speaks of when you pray in the spirit, it's making noise. But let me say this. You can never have the fruit apart from the bell. Again, in Exodus, God says, bell, pomegranate, bell, pomegranate. You can't have one without the other. You cannot just have pomegranates. You must have bell, pomegranate, bell, pomegranate. Why? Because when you pray in the spirit, that's how you produce fruit. And I'll show you from the mouth of Jesus in just a moment. When you pray in the spirit, that's how you produce fruit. You want to see more happen in your life? Pray in the spirit. As you pray, fruit will come. Now watch this. He says, Aaron will wear this robe whenever he ministers before the Lord. And the bells will tinkle as he goes in and out of the Lord's presence. When Jesus came into the world, let me say this. John said, we beheld him, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, full of truth, declaring the wonderful works of God. John chapter 1, the word was God, the word was with God, the word became man, and the word dwelt among us. The wonderful works of God came down and now it's among us. When Jesus leaves, the Bible says as he was leaving, as he was taken away, he was blessing his disciples, blessing them, blessing them with his hands outstretched, blessing them. And then he was taken away almost as if he never would have stopped blessing had God not taken him away. (laughs) So when he comes in, the bells. When he leaves, the bells. And now the Holy Spirit is here to give you the bell back, your tongue. As you pray in the spirit, you're ringing the bell. (laughs) Now watch this. He says, when he comes in and out of the Lord's presence, and the last phrase he says is, if he wears it, he will not die. 
When I saw that, I said, Lord, what in the world does this have to do with us? And the Lord said, son, the more you ring the bell, you will not die. No matter how bad it gets, it might look like it's dying. Like my mom said earlier, I don't care how bad it gets. If you will pray in the spirit, let me say this, it will not die. Pray in the spirit, it will not die. Thank you, everyone. And everyone said, <laughs> you will not die. Now, let me show you this. And we looked at Acts. <laughs> now watch this in John. I'll bring this to a close. I'll bring, I'm sorry. I have so much more to share, but for the sake of time. Look at this in John chapter 15. Now, again, when you talk about bearing fruit, let me say this. There's a fruit of the spirit, but you can't just say, well, Matthew, bearing fruit is anything. Look at the mouth of Jesus. Look, look from the mouth of Jesus. In John chapter 15, Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Now, let me ask you, did he say, if my words abide in you, you will ask for the fruit of the spirit? He said, you'll ask what? Oh, come on. You'll ask what? Let me ask you, do you desire life to be better? Would you like to know that when you ask God, even if it's, look, when you ask God, he'll do it for you? Look at this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified, and I put it in gold, that you bear much fruit. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is one thing, but another thing is when God says, when you ask me what you need, ask me whatever you want, when I give it to you, that is also bearing fruit. (laughs) Are you with me? Now, what's the secret? Verse 9, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my... How do you, listen, how do you abide in him? As a kid for years, I thought abide in him, get saved. Oh, okay, well, I'm saved. But what's the next step? Because there's many believers who are not seeing fruitfulness in their life. They should see more fruitfulness. What's the difference? But no one ever put verse 9 into the whole equation. They just said abide in him. And they preach about abiding, abiding, abiding. But no one ever said anything about love. Verse 9, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. When you live in my love for you, that's how you'll bear fruit. And the day will come when you're living in my love for you that you'll say, Hey, I need this. Hey, I desire this. Hey, I want this. And it may have nothing to do with the word of God in that moment. But in that moment, God is glorified that when you ask, he gives it to you. That you would bear fruit. Now, let me bring this whole thing together. Did you know that pomegranates, I went and I researched pomegranates, appear throughout the Old Testament. But there's one book that they appear in the most. You know what it is? No, no, no. You know what? Not Leviticus. Guess what it is? You want to know what it is? Song of Solomon. I was like, come on, man, Song of Solomon. He says, your cheeks are like pomegranates behind the veil. Twice he says that. (laughs) She says, come, come, let's go and eat the almonds that are, I think it's the almonds. Let's go eat the almonds that are in the garden, the almond garden, I think. I'm probably destroying it, where the pomegranates are. (laughs) Another place he says, let's go down to the valley and let us go find the, I I can do this all day. But my point is this, pomegranates appear more times in the Song of Solomon than any other book, six times total. Now, why so much in the Song of Solomon? Because it's a love story. You see, how do you bear fruit? How do you bear fruit? When you are, let's say this, when a husband and wife come together, they don't have to try to have children. They just have to be in love. And out of that, they will have fruit. God's command to the first man and woman were be fruitful and multiply. You didn't have to tell me anything else. 
because Eve hadn't spoken yet. And all the men said, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm just joking. He said, be fruitful and multiply. It's God's very first command. Be fruitful, multiply. They're in love. You don't have to tell them anything else. When you're in love, you'll be fruitful and you'll multiply. And the one book in the Bible, it shows up six times, more than any other book, is in Song of Solomon when they're talking about love. So when you see the high priest's garments, what do you see? You see the bell. You see the pomegranate. You see tongues. You see love. Now watch this. 1 Corinthians 13. What did Paul say? 13 verse 1, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love. For years we thought that means love for one another. No, no, no. It's the word that God loves us. But I don't have the love. I don't know the love that God has for me. I'm nothing more than a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. I can pray in tongues all day, but if I don't know that God loves me while I'm doing it, it means nothing. (laughs) In Jude, he says this, building yourselves up in your most holy faith Keeping yourself in the love of God. I'm sorry. Praying in the spirit, keeping yourself, building yourself up in your most holy faith. Tongues. Keeping yourself in the love of God. The more you pray in the spirit, you're ringing the bell and you're putting it with the pomegranate. That's why, listen, you say, man, we talk a lot about love, Matthew. (laughs) But you know what? It's for our benefit. Because every week, if somebody is constantly reminding you, you are the one that God loves. You are the one that God loves. If someone can constantly remind you, I am the one that God loves. Tell yourself, I am the husband that God loves. Tell yourself, I am the employee that God loves. For some of you, I'm the CEO that God loves. I am, for for my, my brother in the front, I am the salesman that God loves. My title might change, but I am always going to be the salesman that God loves. This week I called him because, you know, we need a car. And he tried to be a salesman to me on the phone. I was like, whoa, your voice changed. His voice changed. He was like, well, let me tell you, Matthew, buying a car is second to buying a house. I know that this is the most important decision you'll ever make. I don't want to rush you on this decision. I said, I'm going to hang up on you. Who are you talking to? (laughs) Now, his title and position may change, but he is still the salesman that God loves. No matter where he goes, he is the salesman that God loves. But he won't deceive me into buying a car from him. I'm serious. Wherever you're at, No matter what you're doing in life, you need someone to remind you, you are the one that Jesus loves. And if you were the only one on the face of the planet, he still would have came and gone through everything he went through because he loves you. Now listen, when you know that, you have the fruit. Are you with me? The only thing left to do now is ring the bell. When you pray in the spirit, it's like the high priest shows up and every controversy, every assault is settled. Now I'm saying it that way. You as a priest... The high priest is actually not the one who settles every assault. It's actually you as a priest. But when you ring the bell, let me say this. You are behind his armor. You see, his armor isn't always a breastplate and and a helmet and a sword. The armor that Jesus wears is the armor he wears into God's presence. Jesus himself doesn't do warfare on a battlefield. You know who does warfare on the battlefield for you? His angels. You know where Jesus is? Jesus won the war for us on Calvary when he stretched out his arms. Now, in God's presence... Jesus is in God's presence. He doesn't look like this, but all this speaks of him. In God's presence, he says this. He comes before God. He says, oh, Father, I have Matthew on my shoulders. I have Matthew in my heart. I came in declaring all that I did for Matthew. Are you with me? And my love for Matthew at the same time. Oh, Father, Matthew's in trouble again. Or he thinks he's in trouble again. And the Father says, you're right. Angels, take care of Matthew. And they move. And it's the same for all of us. We have a high priest that has gone beyond the veil. One of us made it. He made it. 
And then he turned around and said, don't worry, the rest of you, you came in with me. You don't have to try to make it. You're good. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Before we close, I want to give everyone the opportunity this morning. If you've never prayed in the spirit before, this is a gift that you cannot let pass by. You cannot let pass by. If you do, let me say this. Everything we share this morning, you're the only one on the outside in. You're looking, you're on the outside looking in. But this is a gift that you do not want to let pass by. This is how we produce fruit in the new covenant. This is how the Holy Spirit settles all the problems in your house. This is how he settles all the problems at your job. Right here. The more you pray in the spirit, he takes care of it for you. You don't know what to pray for as you are. As long as you're praying according to your own understanding, you're always coming up short. But this morning, I'm going to give you the opportunity to say, I want to pray your language. That when I pray, the Holy Spirit knows what to pray for, and he will take care of it for me. If that's you this morning, you say, Matthew, I'm here. Well, first, let's do this. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning, and I believe everyone is, but if you're here this morning. Thanks for listening to Center Church Podcast. We trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to receive more of our content in the future, you can email us at centercharlotte at gmail.com. Or just visit our website at centercharlotte.org. Thanks for tuning in and may God's grace cover you in every area of your life.